there and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Welcome to Secrets of Organ Playing podcast number 107. Uh, today is Sunday, August 13, 2017. And today's guest is pianist and organist Kaya Matsuda from Seattle, Washington. She began piano lessons at age nine and in junior high school, she accompanied uh, her youth groups uh, weekly hymn sing and at 13 began her ongoing involvement in church music. She is a performer at heart and church music offered a challenging but forgiving way to develop this skill. So throughout her years at Covenant High School in Tacoma, uh, she accompanied weekly chapel and school choir concerts. The prodding of uh, her piano teachers uh, at the time, Paul Tweed and later Chris Rogers, uh, she also competed and placed as a soloist in local MTNA competitions. In 2013, she began attending Seattle Pacific University, where she collaborated with uh, SPU choir and solo vocal performances and recorded several student-led ensembles while continuing private lessons with Dr. Wayne Johnson. Uh, he retired in 2014 and uh, Kaya joined the studio of Dr. Danius Wojciechonis. By the way, uh, Danius Wojciechonis is the son of Petrus Wojciechonis. Oshra and I uh, studied uh, uh, choir conducting at Lithuanian Academy of Music and Theater uh, many years ago with his dad, Petrus Wojciechonis. And I just found out this connection today. It's wonderful. Although we, we are hours apart and uh, thousands of miles across the globe, but here is the small world, right? Um, this connection. So Kaya lives in Lake City, Seattle, and teach uh, in home lessons. And she is currently employed as pianist and organist at Holder Lake United Methodist Church, and uh, seasonably accompanies the Norwegian Ladies Choir of Seattle. And also, he has been occasionally teaching elementary piano students since 2012. Kaya graduated from SPU in June 2017 and one of just two students with a Bachelor of Arts in Piano Performance. Kaya is very excited to announce that she is now reopening her studio full-time. So today in this conversation, Kaya shares her uh, three challenges, and we're, we're talking about how to overcome this. Splitting uh, between the hands and feet, basically the coordination between the hands and feet. And the second challenge is uh, just uh, getting on the organ bench and starting practicing. This is the second most important challenge she has to overcome. And the third challenge, no small challenge at all, to overcome um, this challenge by not getting too stuck in week-to-week preparations for church work and start dreaming big, start having this vision of five years from now, 10 years from now, even longer. So Kaya shares this all very generously with you, and I hope you will feel very much inspired and uh, want to say hello afterwards. So now let's go to the conversation and let's find out about 
Kaya Matsuda. Thank you so much, Kaya, for joining in this conversation. We are so very uh, far apart. Uh, you are in Seattle and I'm in Lithuania. We are almost like uh, uh, 10 hours apart or more, maybe 12. Uh, and you're late at night, uh, probably tired after the university, right? And I'm just starting my day. But it's so fascinating to connect with people around the world and to, to be able to you know, share their experiences about organ playing, about uh, practicing, what kind of challenges you have uh, on your way to reaching your goals, uh, what are your plans and dreams. All, all those things are very, very fascinating. Thank you so much, Kaya, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's, it's amazing to be able to talk to someone in, in Vilnius, yeah, uh, right? Um, and I... It's a real privilege to be on your show. Let me let me close the window because it's a little bit noisy. Yeah. Okay. Now we're good. And by the way, if you say something you didn't tell, just tell me and I will cut and erase it. <laughs> okay. So, Kaya... Uh, Let's start from the beginning. Do you remember the time when somebody introduced you to the organ? Could you share this uh, story from your maybe early days? How you first fell in love with the organ? Yeah, um, I, uh, that's a funny question because I, I don't really think of it as like a moment of love at first sight or first sound as the case may be. For me, it was more of a growth and, and getting to know getting to know the organ better it's it was more like a like a a love comedy movie where the two characters start out hating each other first and then they grow together with by working together somehow <laughs> mm. and uh, when were how old were you when when you first uh, basically tried out the organ and heard the organ sound um i grew up in a church that had um, an organ since I was seven years old. Um, and um, I, I don't remember the first time I tried it, um, but the first time I took lessons, I was 16. Mm -hmm. 16, that's a good, a good age to start organ. Did you, uh, did you have piano playing experience at that time too? Yes, um, actually it was, uh, my organ lessons were uh, kind of a, how I spent the um, scholarship that I won in a piano competition. Um, and the, the guy who was kind of overseeing and putting together the competition um, was also the organist at our church. And he offered to, um, to give me some lessons um, for the scholarship that I won in that competition. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Because uh, uh, piano experience really... Uh, plays a big role in organist life right uh, your finger yeah. dexterity finger independence all yeah. those things will serve you well if you have a good piano background especially if you want to you know play later romantic and modern yeah, music yeah. for sure yeah so, so kaya uh, do you remember what was the first instrument that you played the first organ um it was, uh, um, <laughs> I have a details here, um, one second. It's in, 
Um, it's a 1998 installation of a three-manual Rogers 950 um, with enhanced antiphonal division installed in 2015. And it has the equivalent of over 70 ranks of pipes. And I, wow. I, I emailed him and I asked him um, what the, some details about the organ. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I knew Quite you would ask me that. <laughs> I see. Uh, so it's, it's, as far as electric organs go, it's fairly nice. And, uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, and what was the first piece that you played on, on, on the instrument? Do you remember the first sound? Well, the first real music that I made <laughs> with the organ was um, the little prelude in C major. BWV 553, right? That sounds right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wonderful. It's, um, it, it was fairly, uh, fairly recently discovered that uh, it's not composed by Johann Sebastian Bach, but maybe by no. a student. Really? Maybe <laughs> Johann Ludwig Krebs. But earlier it was thought it was by Bach, and therefore it's included in, in Bach's catalog of works. Wow, that's so interesting. But, you know, we consider it the Bach school. Johann Sebastian yeah. Bach might have written very, very similarly, right? Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why we confused it. Wonderful. Uh, was it, um, was it uh, easy for you to learn this piece or something was challenging, especially the fugue, I would predict, right? Yeah, yeah, the fugue, fugues are always difficult because you don't just read it um, up and down, you have to read horizontally because the voices go parallel to each other. Um, uh, yeah, that, that was a big challenge was getting the technical stuff with, you know, both hands and then feet, adding, adding pedals. Um, but also, I think, Speaking of technique, I, as a pianist, I wanted to always, you know, pound more volume <laughs> into into the keys, and of course, that doesn't do anything on the organ. You have to, you know, um, it's it's a different mechanism than piano. So mm -hmm. I, I still find that challenging is to, you know, hold back some of the energy because it's totally wasted on the organ. You know, because pressing the keys harder doesn't doesn't necessarily do mm -hmm. anything. Exactly. That's a big challenge to transfer from piano to organ and really to forget, forget this piano touch uh, because, uh, well, piano can make dynamics, right? To yeah. use those, uh, keyboard keys harder and uh, with more force, uh, but it's not so with, with the organ. Uh, mechanical organ can really make uh, the sound more more articulated and uh, maybe more flexible uh, with opening the winches uh, gently yeah? You, yeah you can control this you can you can do this but very very slightly it's not that very very noticeable thing um, yeah. but on the piano yes you can make dynamics and a lot of pianists really forget this you know that it's a different type of instrument and uh, play this way a long for a long time yeah so kaya um, when have you started uh, playing like an organist do you remember the time where you switched from piano pianistic sounds and going to the uh, organistic touch um i i'm not sure i've quite mastered the organist touch yet um but the, there was kind of a switch that happened um, when I 
stopped doing organ as, um, you know, trying to get everything right and technical and perfect. And just suddenly, you know, it was in a place where I had to just do it and the sound had to happen somehow. Um, and I just kind of put that aside in my head, you know, doing it perfectly and, and this idea that everything has to be with correct technique. And I realized that, you know, I can work with that and it will follow. But the, the main thing is to not be afraid. Um, and that happened because I was, um, I, I got a church, a church job um, temporarily as an organist and they didn't have a piano. Um, they didn't have a cantor either. <laughs> so I was singing and playing organ at the same time and it was way out of my comfort zone. But because of that sudden like unfamiliar environment where I had to just do something, it was, um, it was a good, um, um, it was a good turning point kind of um, yeah, wonderful, because uh, when you switch, when you really can control the organ touch the way it's it's supposed to be, then you can do all kinds of things like a real organist, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's a very fascinating uh, point in your or organ playing career, I think. We all remember this, um, this uh, switch. By the way, when you said you were practicing... Uh, C major prelude and fugue at first. Um, it's not the easiest piece to start uh, in this collection. Usually people start not from C major, let's say, but with G minor. Mm -hmm. uh, why did you start with C major, by the way? It was, it was what my teacher assigned. <laughs> so, right. And yeah. who was your teacher at the time? Um, Ronald J. Bechtel. And he was the, um, he's still the organist at... Um, Presbyterian Church where I was um, growing up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, did you play any other pieces from this collection besides C major later on? No, I didn't. Um, I would like to play more Bach, but um, it's I don't know. It's still a challenge because I'm still a pianist, and um, so I'm still you know trying to divide my practice time. Um, and most of my repertoire gets selected um, because of church um, and I, I do want to keep um, putting organ music in the church and the church would like me to keep putting organ music in the service um, mm -hmm. so I'm not going to stop but um, it's harder I think uh, now because I'm not because I think it's I don't know because it, just finding the balance between piano and organ mm-hmm mm -hmm. So, uh, what kind of uh, mentors have you had uh, in your organ playing career besides your first teacher? Maybe you could name them too. Um, I think when I when I mentioned the that I I had um, when I realized I had to give up being afraid of d doing it wrong and just you know go for it. Um, that that thought or that attitude, I guess, came to me because I was um, watching my piano teacher play the organ. Um, in church, in another church, um, and he was just going for it. And you know, he's an incredible pianist, <laughs> um, and he looked like a pianist playing the organ. Um, but it was, it was really, I don't know, it was really freeing to see that um, mm -hmm. that it didn't have to be, you know, perfect technique with, you know, it didn't have to be 
perfect organ technique as organ is all my organ teachers were were teaching me even though it's a good standard sometimes you just have to let go and let you know just go for the music and make sure that the music happens mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what's your favorite um organ style organ music style right now and because it's changed uh, from the beginning maybe you have uh, some switch in your taste um i don't know i i still i don't i don't know that i i don't i'm not sure i know enough yet to have a taste i i enjoy listening to a lot of different things, but I think Bach is always my favorite. Um, yeah, I, I just love Bach. Yeah, it's good enough for starters, right? To, yeah. To Bach and to be fascinated by his mastery and his art. Oh, and then yeah. we'll expand our taste and uh, musical horizons into other styles. Because yeah. let's face it, Bach also um, was influenced by many other composers and organists before him. So he knew everything uh, yeah. from every culture, like uh, like Italian, French, uh, maybe North German, right? And yeah. uh, he, he, knew, he knew them all, although he didn't travel much uh, in yeah. his day, but he, he played and copied manuscripts. So we have a different situation now, but we can also learn from those early masters today. Yeah, for sure. So Kaya, um, what's your um, what are some pieces that you're practicing right now? Um, mostly just for church. Um, I pick um, some collections that I have of like church music that's really almost sight readable, um, and just kind of working that out um, week by week. I, I just go from week to week because I'm not at a very high level. <laughs> Um, Excellent. That's very good. It's it's very good starting point to have this uh, understanding of your current situation, what you can do, right. what you cannot do during one week, right? Yeah. Uh, some people, you know, can really sight read only the hymns. They don't yeah. uh, they don't pick the preludes and postludes. They don't improvise. They don't play any organ music during the church uh, service because they just you know there is not enough time and mm -hmm. not enough right now yeah. but for you it seems like you could play hymns right and play oh, yeah. some music and oh, yeah. that's where you start maybe later on you could uh, you could uh, you know advance a little bit more and take on some challenging more challenging music and even play some uh, public performances in your church right like like a small concert afterwards after the service that would be fun yeah, that's a good idea. I hadn't thought of that, but yeah. So, Kaya mentioned, what is the name of your church? Um, uh, the, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, um, the one I, I feel, the one that I work for is um, called Haller Lake, or United Methodist Church. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if it's Haller or Holler. They say it differently. <laughs> um, but yeah, Hollow Lake United Methodist Church um, is where I'm the pianist and organist. And mm -hmm. then I like to visit um, uh, Ronald United Methodist, which is not far away. And it's where my teacher is the pianist and organist. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I really have two, I guess. <laughs> and um, 
Uh, now, what are your responsibilities as an organist uh, in this first church? Uh, what would you have? What do you have to do every week there? Um, I just have to prepare um, prelude, offertory, and postlude, and um, also make sure that other things happen. Sometimes there's special music that has a where someone has a solo that they want me to accompany. That's happening a lot this summer because in the summer we have a lot more special music. Um, and then I have to, you know, be ready to accompany all the singing. Um, what about the hymns? Do you also have to play hymns? Yes, yes, mm -hmm. hymns and some um, worship songs. Usually, um, usually about three um, per Sunday, and then maybe four or five hymns. Uh, how far in advance do you know the service music uh, for for this current week? Um, usually around Wednesday morning, they send out, um, Wednesday morning, they usually send out the, um, bulletin or the order of service. So Kaya, you have to play some hymns during the week, right? Uh, you have to, uh, prepare some service music like prelude, offertory and uh, postlude and some worship music, right? And sometimes, uh, they ask you to to accompany the songs that vocalist would sing, right? Yeah. Do you also play for weddings and funerals? Sometimes. Uh, my sister got married a couple weeks ago, and I played in her wedding. Um, and I'm going to play in a wedding at the end of this month. Um, that's always really fun. Um, I've played in a few funerals, too. Um, so, yeah, all kinds of events that where they just want a, a pianist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wonderful. Um, so, how much time do you have to usually prepare uh, for church service every week? Um, I guess it, it depends on how much I plan ahead. Um, usually, a week um, is enough, um, but I think I could do better. Um, and, and sometimes I have um, learned a new piece that took much longer. Um, and then presented it, and that's—I don't know—it it feels like um, I don't know. It's—it's it's more rewarding, I think, because um, you spend more time on it, of course. But then at the same time, you only—you only get to present it one time. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, do you practice every day for for this upcoming week? Let's say to play those pieces and practice and get it done. I try to yes. Um, I've been uh, recently, more recently. I was I was practicing um, maybe every other day because my hands would get really tired because um, I was um, really uh, trying to trying to prepare pieces, uh, really impressive solo pieces um, on piano um, for a concert that I was in mm -hmm. last Tuesday. Um, so that that was. Um, a little bit less focus went into my um, church music preparation. What did um, you play? What did you play for the concert? Uh, two Beethoven sonatas and um, Chopin's second ballad. Mm -hmm. So that's a stress for your hands, right? Especially the yeah. final movements of the Beethoven. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Uh, so, but really it helps uh, for your organ playing technique too uh, later on. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I recommend uh, then taking frequent breaks, really, and uh, maybe practicing for 25 minutes and then stopping and doing something else for five minutes, relaxing. Yeah. 
That's yeah. what they call um, Pomodoro technique, right? They have this Pomodoro tomato-shaped timer. You set the timer. Yeah. It's, it's like a kitchen timer, right? Mm-hmm. And you set this timer for 25 minutes, and it beeps. You stop playing. Then it beeps again after five minutes to remind you of start playing again. And during this break, you can relax, drink, uh, take a walk, stretch, you know do something different to relax your mind and then you you can practice for another block of 25 minutes or even you know three more blocks because if you if you make frequent breaks you never get tired mm. yeah the hard thing with that is is um wanting to stop it because <laughs> i i get going and then i don't want to stop and I know, I know. This music is so immersive, and uh, you just can't uh, force yourself to stop. To stop because you know you want to keep going because the music is so beautiful, and you don't really feel Mm -hmm. tired at this moment. But uh, but you have to you know be strict with yourself a little bit (laughs) because it's not performance; it's practice. It's different. Yeah, it's really. I don't know. It's it's like. Any, anywhere in front of a keyboard is home for me mm-hmm. and I, I don't want to leave <laughs> so Kaya what is the most uh, three most challenging things for you right now in organ playing <laughs> um, I guess practically um, also you know hands plus pedals is, is always a bit of a challenge you know splitting splitting your brain <laughs> um, in a different way than, than pianists have to um, mm-hmm. but I guess practically speaking, um, it's, I guess, just getting started, um, just starting to practice. And of course, once I start, it's always like, oh, I could do this forever and I love it. Um, but getting started is, is like the hardest part. Uh-huh. Think, especially as a pianist, I have another instrument and so I have, you know, divided loyalty. <laughs> um, and it's, it's hard to just get started, but once I do, I feel I really, I really do love the organ, and I, I, I don't want to stop. But uh huh. So, and what's the third one? Um, I guess I would, I would say maybe one or two more. Maybe um, I think not, um, not getting so stuck in you know week to week, um. Pre- preparations but realizing that you know i can still dream of of you know this could be more of how how i could be doing more uh-huh. um, and so dreaming big kind of takes over and and i just kind of you know i kind of get into this mindset where this is all there is and i think um breaking out of that is is a challenge Wonderful. Let's start from the beginning, right, uh, Kaya? You mentioned three challenges. Uh, coordination between the hands and feet, right? Putting hands and feet yeah. together and making them play different things at different times. Yeah. That's, that's, I think, 100% of people have, or 99% of organists have this challenge because when they start to play piano first, they learn only two staves, right? Two stave notation, sure. right hand and left hand. And then you start to put pedals together and your left hand is no longer the baseline. It's, it's the middle, yeah. middle, middle. And uh, therefore, yeah. the feed has to be in the bass most of the time. And that's the challenge. And sometimes the voices move independently, right? 
and the second time, challenge you mentioned was uh, getting started. What do you mean by getting started? Just basically to sit in, sitting down on the organ bench and play? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, just exactly. Starting. Because uh, there is a saying that uh, the most difficult, the most challenging thing for the writer, writer, imagine a writer who writes novels, yeah. is, is is to sit down, just sit down yeah. at the table and start writing. Everything is basically easy, but you have to start, and starting is the most challenging thing for writers. I think uh, for for. Uh, for organ is the same thing. You just have to, you know, make yourself uh, sit down on the bench and, and do something or at the bench. And then it gets easier and it's easier with time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, Kaya, and the third challenge you mentioned was not getting so stuck in week to week of preparations, right? Mm-hmm. And and dreaming big, basically. Uh, what I understand from this is you you you're forced to to do some church service work right every week but you you have bigger dreams right in your life as an organist right you want to accomplish more and uh, and sometimes you forget this right because you're so busy preparing preludes uh, offertories and postludes and hymns and it's uh, another other church service music right and you forget what's what's next after this one week right yeah, yeah. Uh, wonderful so let's talk about uh, all those things in order starting um, how do you overcome or overcame recently uh, this coordination between hands and feet this splitting in your mind uh, th- that those hands and feet have have to do different things what helped you to overcome this challenge? I think the hardest part was believing that I could do it and believing that it was easier than I was, you know, freaking out about it. Um, and and just just um, getting over the mind blocks, I think. Um, because when when I, the breakthrough that I mentioned from seeing my teacher, Daniel Vichikonis, playing, you know, like a pianist, but still playing the organ and, and just going for it. And... Um, and I just realized, you know, a lot of it is just in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think just just getting over the mind blocks and just going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Be- very good, uh, Kaya, because uh, if you don't believe that it's possible to overcome this challenge, you will not overcome, right? Uh, yeah. You sort of will get stuck because of this roadblock. But if you believe that it's something like a skill, you can master anything. Right, and yeah. if you you can, it's like a game. You can get better at this game, right? If you practice, <laughs> then then suddenly everything uh, switches, and uh, in your mind, it's only the the matter of time when enough if right when right. you will overcome it. Right. So, um, do you remember uh, <clears throat> uh, how did you how did you uh, became aware of this mind, new mindset ability uh, in yourself that you? Oh, it's possible. It's not that uh, frustrating anymore, and I can practice. Maybe uh, push myself and overcome this. Um, it just um, I, I saw that and I thought I I want that, and so um, I I just kind of gave it a try, and I realized oh, I don't have to be you know you know pressing you know writing out all the pedaling and everything. I just have to make the pedals you know make sound, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first I started, um, I, I think this is um, a thing. I I was playing the hymns 
um, on the keyboard like I would with piano. So I was playing the bass in my left hand. Um, and then I threw in bass pedaling um, with my feet. So I was actually doubling the bass, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that was kind of, I don't know, training, training my brain that it, you know, kind of sneaking the pedals in, I guess. Um, I know what you mean, Kaya. It's it's such a such an easy easy way out, right? Uh, for pianists, right. they play four uh, two voices in the right hand, two voices in the left hand. Well, yeah. I just add the bass line with the pedals. Additionally, with the right, you have basically four voices, but the bass, the pedals are doubling the left hand, right? right. You did that. Yeah, for, for a while. And then I started to try to challenge myself to, you know, mm -hmm. just play the tenor in the left hand and, and leave the bass in the feet. And, um, and that, was, that was a little bit more challenging. But I, I was kind of, I started to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, Co uh, Congratulations, by the way, Kaya. I know some organists who, who play the organ every week at church, maybe every day almost. And they never, ever you know, force themselves to drop this um, initial <laughs> habit of, of playing and doubling the, the bass line <laughs> with the pedals and the left hand. Uh, but you did it because I know, I know you want to persevere and you want to achieve big things in organ. And I, I, I know that you want to progress. And without this, without true independence, it's, it's never, never uh, easy, right? Uh, you have yeah. to really switch in your mind now left hand only plays the 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 tenor part and yeah. the, the the pedals will play the bass it's not the the only way to play hymns right uh, there are many other distributions of voices that you can do but yeah. doubling doubling uh, you could do doubling actually in 17th century organists and composer like Matthias Weckmann from, from the North Germany and uh, Heinrich Scheidemann, for example, uh, students of Zwelling, right, uh, from, from 17th century. You know how they played uh, sometimes in six part, not in four parts, but in six part. Right hand played uh, soprano and alto. Right. The left hand played uh, um, second alto and the tenor, or depending on distribution, maybe two tenors, and then the bass, the bass line, the pedals played two basses, and sometimes instead of two basses, two separate basses, uh, the left foot would play the bass line, the normal bass line, separate from hands, but the right foot would double your um, tenor second tenor oh. second tenor in order to make it more prominent because in that right foot uh, and left hand uh, combination you will hear the tune uh, the cantus firmus the melody choral melody very very prominently it's not the bass not the lowest voice not the highest voice but it's it's their trick to make uh, it more prominent to double with the right foot and the left hand Imagine it's different. It's very different uh, from what you and I were talking a minute ago, yeah. right? So, but it's not for the beginners, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's more challenging. Yeah. Wonderful. So, Kaya, so I'm so glad you finally 
became aware of possibilities, right? That you will not double uh, the baseline with your left hand and start playing yeah, independently. I'm still working on it, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a process, but I've started. You know what helps is uh, to play real organ music too uh, on yeah. three staves, right? And everything yeah. is written out and you will not, you know, double. Uh, mm-hmm. the bass part with the left hand naturally this way and you will get uh, hands and feet coordinated and playing different things very fast this way and then you ch- switch to hymns again Oh, and you say oh four voices again and now I can play only the tenor with my left hand mm-hmm. yeah see I'm so glad you finally found that uh, found it out and um started working on it uh, how much time do you think it will you will need to finally master coordination between hands and feet oh i i didn't know that several years i just i just see it as like a continuum of, of learning always mm-hmm. <laughs> you know there is no real mastery here you just keep right. progressing keep practicing and keep getting better That's and <laughs> The, the minute you stop, it's actually the minute you uh, degrade, you, you get worse and worse, right? You never yeah. stop. Yeah. Wonderful. It's a good challenge to overcome because later on it will pay off and become, you will real feel like you're re- really an organist. You have a different set of skills than pianists. Actually, you will have three hands, right hand, <laughs> left hand, and the pedals. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, Kaya. What about the second challenge? Remember, you mentioned uh, uh, your second challenge was just to get starting uh, with the practice, right? Just get back on the organ bench when it's so difficult. Um, how did you overcome this challenge re- recently? Um, I'm not sure I've, I've quite overcome it yet, but I've become aware of it, and I think that's half half. A battle or at least a good first step um i guess um probably better planning and time management um but it's it's really hard to <laughs> to want to limit my time with the piano um so i guess maybe just more time <laughs> more time with music um i know what you mean kaya because uh when you love piano music also, right? You right. love Beethoven and you love Chopin and other composers that you want to play <laughs> on the piano. You have to divide in your mind the practice time too, right? You devote yeah. some, maybe an hour or two hours a day, you know, for piano and the equal time for the organ, right? Yeah. And it, that's a challenge for a lot of people. You have two passions now. You yeah. have basically two careers maybe. Yeah, or or two choices and you want to develop them equally right mm-hmm. so so yeah one maybe f- one feeds of each other e- e- each benefits from each other right piano and organ and uh, you keep doing this but as you say you maybe make time in your schedule you write down things where you when you will sit down on the bench yeah. specific times in your we- weekend day and also maybe maybe specific things that I want to practice. And I know you 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 like to um, improvise, and um, I found that for me practicing improvisation on the organ can get really boring because it's just me, you know, 
bringing, you know, stuck in my own head, you know, playing with my own ideas. But I find that when I when I um, have a scheduled organ performance like a prelude, and I just make something up on the spot, and I I have um, there's more adrenaline involved, and I feel like I come up with better ideas on the spot. Um, well, yeah, and I know. I know. From playing piano and improvising on the piano, and it's for me, I think it's easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I know what you mean, Kaya. How many years have you been playing piano by uh, by now? Uh, fourteen. Yeah. Fourteen. And how many years on the organ? Um, maybe much less. <laughs> Let's see. About approximately. Uh, let's see. Uh, maybe. No, it hasn't been that long. Seven years. Seven years. Half. Yeah, half. Seven that... years ago, I had my first mm-hmm. my first lessons. I think. No, it wonderful. Wasn't. Was it seven years ago? I don't. It's hard to remember, right? <laughs> seven years. It's a long time. Yeah, you can do a lot of things in seven years uh, if you do this hard. right. But it might be, right? (laughs) 14 years with piano and seven years with the organ. Yeah. That feels right, about right. So uh, you see what's the problem here? What's the (laughs) challenge and opportunity? It's uh, really you have to be patient with yourself. Imagine yourself or remember yourself when you were a pianist seven years ago. Could you play the same thing like Beethoven's two sonatas and uh, and Chopin today? No, <laughs> you, probably not. You really are getting better and better each week, uh, right? With the piano. Uh, so 14 years. So the same is with, with piano. Right now you can do half of as much with the organ, right? You can do half as much as uh, probably at the, at the piano. So imagine after seven years you will reach that point where you could do a lot of beautiful things on the organ too. Yeah. Does this sound um, inspiring or depressing to you? <laughs> inspiring, I think. Mm-hmm. I know, you know it's hard for me to think that far ahead because I'm still very young and everything's right now. Mm-hmm, I know, but seven <laughs> years is not like 25 years from now. It's, it's yeah. very, you know, it's doable. It's you can you can feel it around the corner, right? And uh, because you did it with the piano seven years, right? Yeah, and yeah. now it's fourteen years, and right. and you can achieve the same thing with the organ. You just stick with this and uh, get back on the organ ba- bench every day, and you will you will I think, you know, progress little by little. If you ever doubt yourself, Kaya, if you ever feel that you're not progressing. Do one test. For example, take a piece of organ music and try to sight read it. Okay, and note in your head how many mistakes do you make in one in one uh, uh, page. Okay, and then do something else. Practice church music, other preludes, improvisation, piano, anything, for three to six months. And after three to six months, come back to this page of new music. And play it again, okay? And you will see the difference very well then, if you are progressing or if you're not progressing, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, because day to day, it's very difficult to, to see your progress. But if you, you know, look at your in your mirror after three to six months, you will start seeing the difference. I, I am 100% sure. Wonderful. So, Kaya, that was the second idea, the second challenge that you have to constantly overcome every day just to get back to the organ bench and get started with organ practice. What about, Kaya, your third uh, challenge, not getting so stuck in week-to-week -week of preparations and really dream big? Um, that, was, that was more of a, a recent um realization um uh -huh. i'm not sure i've solved it yet um but um i was uh I've been, i finished school um this spring and um i've been you know trying to get my piano studio started but it's starting slow because it's summer you know and um so i have a lot of time to, to myself and i started to think about what what my dreams are for the future and and what i what i want and i realized i'm I had never really thought about that before. Um, and I, I realized I kind of distract myself um, from thinking about it um, because, you know, there is other stuff to do. And I just, I don't, I, I realized I don't really make time to think about what I'm, where I'm going in the long run and what I want to be like, you know, like you said, seven years from now or 14 years from now. Um, and so, you know, maybe, maybe not make a plan and then, you know, get disappointed when it doesn't go my way, but, but maybe just have some dreams that I would like. Like a vision. Yes. Mm -hmm. Vision. Not necessarily step-by-step -step approach, right? You do this, right. you, you take this step, then you second step, third step, fourth step, fifth step, and you are on the top of the mountain now and yeah. you can die. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it's disappointing, right? You achieved yeah. everything, but it's disappointing. Maybe yeah. you keep your mind open for possibilities, but dream big. Maybe uh, give yourself a challenge, right? right a challenge yeah. that you have to overcome every week or every month. Uh, how about the uh, kind of 30-day challenge? Have you ever d done anything like that? 30-day challenge. I don't think I've ever actually tried one. Mm -hmm. It could be done in any area in your life, like uh, uh, quit uh, smoking or start smoking if you want, or uh, <laughs> or or get better at uh, you know running marathons or uh, you know whatever you feel uh, or learn foreign language in thirty days oh, yeah. a little bit, right? Uh, learn two thousand words, let's say, or or um, I'm studying Lithuanian right now. Lithuanian. I'm, yes, I'm going Wonderful. next year. What word do you have you learned recently? Uh, <laughs> Achu. <laughs> Wonderful. <Labas. laughs> Achu and labas. That these are the most um, useful words in this language because Achu means thank you, right? right? You thank people, and labas means hello, right? You you <laughs> greet everyone this way. Mom. Thanks. <laughs> Malono, excellent. Malono is nice. Uh, Kaya, can I ask you this question? How did you, uh, bec how did you become interested in Lithuanian language? I don't know very many Lith uh, foreign foreign people who study this this very odd and old language anymore. I know some, but not too many. <laughs> For sure, I um, 
I, I guess it started with with my teacher, um, who Daniel Svetikovs, um, and he he's Lithuanian, and he got me interested in Lithuanian composers. So wait a second, your your student your teacher is Daniel Svetikovs. Yes, do you know him? I think I do. How how old is he now? I guess he's about your age. I don't know. A little bit older, probably. Probably. I'm forty forty one. I don't know exactly how old he's, he is, but maybe he's a little bit older. Older. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure, but this is a very interesting coincidence. <laughs> my my choral conducting teacher was uh -huh. Petras Vychakonis. I assume oh, no. his his oh. dad. Yeah. Dad, right? Yeah. Father. So say hello to to Danius, <laughs> and uh, and that's that's amazing, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Petras and Austria is was also studying with Petras Wojciechowicz conducting at Lithuanian <laughs> Academy of Music and Theater. Yeah. You know, like um, yeah, maybe twelve years ago. Wow. Uh, but uh, but yes, Wojciechowicz <laughs> is uh, uh, and uh, and uh, our teacher mentioned that he has a son who lives in America, and I yep. think. Uh, yeah, his name might have been Danius. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not hundred percent sure, but the, here is the connection. Yeah, wonderful. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Say hello to him. Sure, yeah. Excellent. How 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 small yeah. is our world, right? I know. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> I have to ask Osha too if she remembers exactly the name of of the son and maybe. She she has a better memory than me, so yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, so Danius uh, encouraged you to learn some Lithuanian, right? Yeah, um, actually, he played he performed um, Godowski um, in a in a faculty concert um, for my school, um, where he's um, head of keyboard studies, and um, mm. I got interested in that music, and then um, he showed me some churlones also and I got interested in that and um, so I was, for a long time it was just you know the composers and then I heard him speak the language and that was just I don't know it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard <laughs> and wow. I, that was the moment I decided I'm gonna learn this language um, wonderful you know how you can learn this language it, like any other language in 30 days or even less I will tell you a secret uh, there are, you know, maybe like twenty thousand or fifty thousand words. You you really need to really master the language at the very deep level to be like a fluent native speaker. But you don't need that to for conversations, for everyday conversations. Let's say with your teacher, right, or yeah. with me, right, You're saying hello and things like that. Like <laughs> like we are not using very many. Uh, you know words it's it it seems that uh, it only takes 2000 words so if you can really figure out the most common uh, used words in lithuanian language which basically 2000 top 2000 words and i think you can find them online mm -hmm. and you can you can learn <clears throat> them memorize them this way and start using even without knowing too much of grammar and rules just this forcing yourself to use it does this sound like something you could uh, achieve yeah i think i'm um, i'm gonna try that i actually 
I've been learning a lot of um, vocabulary from songs. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going with the um, local Lithuanian community choir to the Danishwente next year. Um, but um, that that just means like I'm learning all these, you know, poetic words and I don't have conversational skills. I know, um, I know. <laughs> I know, that's difficult. Uh, but, you know, Kaya, but I'm learning, so. um, there is a method you could memorize the words very, very easily. Not cram, not cram. Cram is, is, is very difficult and very, well, cramming is maybe will stuck uh, with you maybe for uh, two days and then you will forget. But there is this another uh, um, technique by association. For example, uh, for example, you say you, you, so you say you know word uh, thank you, right? Achu, achu. And achu uh, <laughs> means thank you in Lithuanian. But in English, it sounds like something else, right? Like sneezing, right? Sneezing. So <laughs> now it's easy. You memorized this word probably a long time ago. But imagine if you didn't know this word, Achu. A-C-I-U, right? It's spelled yeah. this way. Uh, but imagine you, uh, you imagine a person who is sneezing, sneezing. <laughs> And saying thank you at the same time. <laughs> this image, image in your mind is the most crucial thing. And this image will come out whenever you want to say the word achu in Lithuanian. Yeah. The, you can do the same thing with other words like uh, like uh, verbs and or, or nouns and things like that. By associating their meaning with something else in your native language. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, do you know Japanese well? No, I used to. Apparently, mm -hmm. um, that's what mm -hmm. my that's what my parents tell me. Um, mm -hmm. But when when we came to America, I mean, we were fully assimilated, I guess. And so, um, I was born in Tokyo, and we moved here when I was six. Um, mm -hmm. And we just kind of stopped speaking that much in in, in Japanese. So, so probably, enough. but I think I could I could pick it up faster if I went yeah. If I went back, you know, but I was never literate, and that's the hard part because you know there are three alphabets, and one of them has mm -hmm. thousands of characters. And I know what's your next thirty-day challenge will be: uh, refreshing <laughs> Japanese, right? Konnichiwa, konnichiwa, arigato. Good, excellent. So, so Kai, I'm so glad we met, and uh, you mentioned all those three challenges and dreaming big, right? What yeah. is your dream as an organist right now? What would you want to accomplish in seven years or five years from now? Oh, I guess, I guess this dream, yeah, is as an organist is is also tied to a bigger dream. I really want to travel the world, and um, of course. You know, I as a musician, I just I, I see an organ. I, I want to play every organ that I see. Um, <laughs> so I guess I'm hoping that um, learning organ will kind of give me a reason and also maybe open doors for traveling and and playing organs around the world. And I don't know if that's a very good goal, but it's it's a dream. Fantastic. <laughs> Travel the world while playing different organs, right? You know yeah. what will do? It will open up your musical horizons and will, it will give you 
hands-on experience on multiple instruments. It's like uh, driving hundreds of cars, right? Imagine you are a mechanic with thousands of cars under your belt, and you can, you know, you know them intimately well, and you can adjust to any given car very fast. Like you, you can drive with your hands, uh, with your with your eyes closed. Basically, no. <laughs> you feel you feel the car. The same yeah. is with organs. The more organs you play, basically, the the better you adjust and the better you become, actually. Wonderful dream, Kai. I'm so happy for you, fascinated by your recent discoveries of Lithuanian connection <laughs> with, <laughs> with my former yes. teacher. Uh, say hello to Danius. Wonderful. So thank you so much, Kai. Um, and keep, uh, keep getting better. Keep uh, uh, overcoming those three challenges. Hands and feet coordination, getting on the organ bench on the, uh, every day, and of course, dreaming big. Yes, thank you very much. Don't forget to say hello to Kaya on Facebook and uh, visit her YouTube channel. I will add the links into the description of this conversation so that you will literally click and visit the links online. Thanks for listening. If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog Secrets of Organ Playing at organduo.lt where you will find lots of insights, practical advice and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vida Spinkavitus. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you online really soon.